So I've entitled this episode, Subconscious Reconnaissance. What does that mean? It does mean something. Um, I'm going to come back to that. First, I want to start off by telling you a dream I had. So I had this dream. And in this dream, I was in a prison. I was a prisoner in this prison. And one thing about me is I don't like to be boxed in. I don't like to be held down. I don't like to be shackled or held in a prison, so to speak. So in the dream, me being me, I'm looking on how to escape. I'm coming up with plans. I'm with a group of people and we we making all these plans on how to escape. I finally escaped. I escaped this prison. Now this prison was like a sort of like an Alcatraz type of prison where it's out on an island in the middle of nowhere. And um, you know, you have to swim to get to safety to the other side to get to um not so much safety, but to get to the real world. You know, it's it's so far away from the real world. You gotta, you know, have a plan on how you're gonna get there, or you need a boat, or whatever you need, but you're on an island pretty much, and then you gotta, you know, go through the water to get back to civilization. So I did all of that. I make it out, but the people that were with me, they never made it. They never made it. So I was the only survivor. I finally got out. I could rest and um you know, so I'm going through the world and going through the city. And, and I had the thought like, man, the people that's in that prison, they need somebody to free them. Because this wasn't just any regular prison. This was a prison where um, you were there definitely not by choice. And it was definitely unfair. It was not so much anything that you did to deserve to be there. But you were just there because... We need people to be here. We need people to work. We got to, you know, have these people do our bidding. So my thought was to go back and save the people in this prison. And I did just that in a dream. I did just that. I go back to the prison. The funny thing is, uh, when I went back, nobody recognized me. So as I show up in this prison, they, um, they assumed that I was some kind of official you know, official that uh, was working with the prison. The warden didn't recognize me. None of the guards recognized me. Even the prisoners themselves didn't recognize who I was. You know, to them, I was a totally different person. I was some kind of, you know, high up official um, with high security clearance, you know, all the bells and whistles and all that good stuff. Um, so they decided they're going to give me a tour of this prison. They're going to show me all the inner workings of how all this is working and, you know, what goes on behind the scenes, what's going on that nobody on the outside knows, what's going on that even the prisoners themselves don't even know about. They're going to show me all of these things. So they're taking me around. They're giving me the tour. And I'm just looking. I'm just observing. And uh, one thing I do is I take mental notes. I do take mental notes a lot. Somebody told me I should write things down. So I've started to write things down. But I take a lot of mental notes. And um, I keep that information for later. Because you never know when you might need it, right? So I'm doing this. I'm going through the dream. going in this room. Oh, this is the control room. This is... um, 
where we keep the worst of the worst, the ones that rebel, the ones that try to escape. You know, this is uh, this room. This is that room. Finally, we get to this room, this huge room. It's a huge open space. And when I say huge, it's like huge is not even a right word to um, describe this. I mean, it was gigantic. It was so large, this room that they brought me in. And it had this wall, this large wall, gigantic wall, like enormous wall. And on this wall, there was a row of numbers. And, you know, then there'd be another line and a row of numbers, another line and a row of numbers. And it would go in columns and in rows, columns and in rows. And it was this long, impossible number. And the numbers were ticking down, just ticking down, counting down, count down, 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 down. So start at, you know, 100 uh, kajillion. And it was counting down, counting down, counting down. And I'm just observing this whole thing and looking at this wall. And um, just looking at all the rows of numbers and watching them as they count down and just looking at the different columns. And I mean, it went on forever. And um, that was like the last part of the dream there. And that was when I kind of woke up from there. But, you know, that dream really stayed on my mind and it, it stuck with me. A lot of times we'll have dreams and we don't remember the dreams or it's just so silly. It's like, yeah, whatever. When we wake up, we forget it. But this one actually stuck with me. And now this dream I had, it's been at least two months. Two months ago since I had this dream. But um, like I said, it stuck with me. So, cool story, bro, right? Like, what's what's the point of all this? <laughs> why are you bringing this up to me? Like, why, why, what's the point? My point is, our dreams are not just dreams. And when I say dreams, I mean, you know, when you lay down, you close your eyes and you put your head on that pillow, the stories that play as you sleep and you are not awake, those type of dreams. And what I'm saying to you is that those dreams are not just dreams. They're not just stories that your mind has made up to entertain you as you sleep or um, show you something in a funny way about what's happening. Uh, what, what you dealt with that life and you, in life, you know, and you, and you hate your boss. It's, it's, I'm saying that it, it's so much more than that. It goes so much deeper than that. Now, I know what you're saying. I can hear your thoughts. <laughs> you're saying, uh, where's your proof, bro? What's going on with that? Well, prove it. Sure. Um, one thing about me is um, you're going to get scripture from me. I use the Bible as my base. But even without using the Bible, it's definitely provable that a dream is just not a dream and that it should be taken a lot more seriously than we do. So I had a friend. And she had a dream and she had a dream about 
one of her friends. And in that dream, you know, something terrible happened to her where the friend in the dream was no longer living. Now, when she woke up, of course, the friend is alive and, you know, alive and well. But a few months later, this friend is no longer here anymore. Um, and she was wondering if she had warned her friend, you know, about what was the dream was about. Maybe um, she would still be here. That's uh, my first example, and that's without using the Bible, which you know I'm going to use anyways. That's that's what I do. That's that's my thing. It's scriptures. We got to go to scriptures. So I'm going to uh, just backtrack a little bit here and tell you uh, how I view things and why I'm saying what I'm saying. So the way I look at this world is it's built off of three levels. You have the very last level, which is the physical world, the physical world that we live and breathe in, what we see, touch, um, hear, you know, our five senses, smell, all of that stuff, taste, our five senses. That is the physical world. But there's a world that's above that. And that's, uh, you know, number two or the second world, which is that mental, emotional world. So that's uh, where we have. All of the mind things that go on, the mental things, the emotional um, things that we go through. So now if we just look at those two steps, we have step number three, the physical world. If we go about this physical world without dealing with anything in step number two, which is the mental world, will we still be affected by that second world? It's a rhetorical question. Yes, we will. We sure will. Uh, that mental world affects heavily what goes on in our physical lives, how we act, how we do things, um, just the way that we behave. And if we were to ignore that, we would find ourselves doing a lot of things that we can't really explain or doing things contrary to our nature because we have not dealt with that mental, emotional world. And I put it in the terms of world because it is a world. It's almost a world all to its own. But at the same time, it affects what goes on in the physical world that we live in. Now, I gave you three and I gave you two. Of course, that means there's a one, right? There's a one. So now we enter into once we get past the physical and the mental, we enter into the spiritual world. Yeah, there's a spiritual world, right? Yeah, Chris, I don't believe you. Yeah, you're making this up. Whether we realize it or not, there is a world of things that we cannot see with beings in that world that occupy it, that affect what goes on here. Whether we want to admit it or not, This has been proven to be true. We know it to be true. And we can just know it's true just by our own lives and thinking back on our own lives. Um, A lot of times we want to be in denial of this, but there is a, a world, an unseen world with unseen beings in it that affect what happens in this physical world. 
people have a lot of different names for it, but that is uh, what we like to call the spiritual world. People have a lot of different views on how the spiritual world works, uh, well, who's in it, what's what's it got to do with anything, and, and you know, blah, 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 all of that. But there is a spiritual world with spiritual beings in it. And everything that happens here on this step number three in this physical world, it starts in that step number one, that spiritual world. So what happens is a thing will originate in the spiritual world. And then it goes through your mental, emotional world. And then that's when it can manifest into your physical world. What you're saying, you're saying, Chris, you're doing a lot of explaining. <laughs> Get back to the dream. What does this got to do with dreams? Well, dreams. When you lay down and you go to sleep, it is not just the thing that's in your mind. I am saying that when you dream, you are actually interacting with that first world, that spiritual world. You are in that spiritual world. Your physical body is asleep, but we know that we have a spirit and we know that we have a soul. And what I'm saying is that your spirit is in the world where the spirits are or the spiritual beings are. That's what I'm saying. When you dream, that's where you are. So we know that everything originates in the spiritual world. I've said it. I'm just asking you to uh, do your research and find out if what I'm saying is true. But everything originates in the spiritual world. And in order for something in that world to manifest itself in this step number three physical world or world number three, there has to be some kind of agreement, some kind of, uh, you know, bonding with that plan to make it physically manifest here. That's how the rules work. And it goes, starts in the spiritual, right? And then it goes into your mental and your emotions. And with your emotions, um, you have some kind of connection with the plan of that spiritual thing. And then you take your mind and you agree with it. Once you are in agreement or in connection or on board with that plan, it will physically manifest. Just to put it in simple terms. All right, so I'm going to backtrack some more. (laughs) So I named this podcast episode Subconscious Reconnaissance. That's a lot of big words there. What does that mean? So what your subconscious is, it's um, the part of your mind that's not, you're not really fully aware of. It's um, like the, the back office, the things that's happening in the background while you're um, doing your thing with your mind and thinking on things, but there's things going on in the background. It's that part of your mind, but that part of your mind also has an influence on what happens in your physical world even though you're not fully aware of it. What does reconnaissance mean? Reconnaissance 
is a military in, in nature. So it's a military observation of the enemy. When you do a reconnaissance mission, you're going on an observation to observe the enemy and how the enemy acts, what the enemy plans might be so you can disrupt it. So that's a funny word choice. Uh, Those two words, why would you put those two words together? In your dreams, you have um, two types of spiritual beings that are vying for your agreement. One of those types of being is your enemy. Just to put it in simple terms, you have an enemy in the spiritual world that has plans for you. And then you also have an ally in the spiritual world that has plans for you. What your goal is when you dream is to reconnaissance your subconscious, your subconscious mind in your dream and figure out what the enemy has planned for you so you can stop it and stop it from manifesting in this physical world. <laughs> uh, I'm saying a lot here, right? And you're like, ah, you're losing me. I don't, I can't swallow all of this. I don't believe it. So let's look at a few scriptures. Let's look at a few scriptures, just a few. I'll just mention a few, but let's look at a few scriptures. So the first one I'm going to look at is uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Now, let me give you the backstory. This was um, the story of the birth of Jesus Christ and uh, what was going on at that time. So in chapter uh, verse 12, you had the wise men. And they were looking for the birth of the Christ. They saw it in the stars. They saw the sign in the heavens, so to speak, that um, the Messiah would be born. And they were looking for him. They followed the star and, you know, they were looking for the Messiah. So they went to King Herod. King Herod was uh, the king of Judea at the time. And um, very prideful guy, very uh, full of himself, I should say. Right. And he heard that a Messiah would be born now when during those times when they when they heard that this Messiah, this king would be born. It was um, the person that was going to rule. And, you know, in their minds, they thought this person was going to come. He's going to save them from the Romans and they're going to rule in this kingdom forever. And he's going to uh, conquer the whole world. This Messiah and Herod um, being you know, of that era. And I'm not sure if he was exactly an Israelite, but um, being up around those people and of those people, he had those same kind of beliefs. So that was a threat to him. That was intimidating. Like, who is this child? So he told the wise men, okay, you go find this child. And when you find him, come back and let me know where he is. So they go do that. They go and find him. They find the child. And you know, of course, they have to rest. They have to sleep. They go to sleep. And an angel of the Lord appears in their dream. And he says, hey, don't go back to uh, 
Herod, don't don't tell him anything. Don't tell him what you found. Don't go back to him. Matter of fact, go home a different way. So they do just that. They obey. King Herod, he figures out, okay, these wise men are wise to me. I guess that's why they call them wise men, right? I know, lame joke, but still, that's why they call them wise men, right? Because they, they got wise to me. They got hip to my plans. Um, they knew I was no good. And I'm still no good. So this is what I'm going to declare. Every child that is a boy under the age of two, two and younger, we're going to kill. That way, no Messiah problem, right? Right. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) It does not. But this is what his plan was. And he had his people carry that out. So in verse number 13, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. Who is Joseph? Joseph is the father of Jesus, or I should say the stepfather. You know, he's the husband of Mary, who is Jesus' mother, and he is the stepfather of Jesus. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, hey, listen, I'm going to need you to get your wife, get your child and go down to Egypt. And you stay there until I come back and, you know, tell you when when to leave. Now, all this happened in his dream. He was not awake. He was having a dream. He was sleeping. His physical body was laying down at rest and he was dreaming. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him this, said, go to Egypt. I'm going to need you to take your wife, take your child, go to Egypt now. And this is, um, you know, you wait for my further instruction. Joseph, listen. Now, Joseph, the uh, stepfather of Jesus, he had no clue as to what Herod had planned. But he had this dream. He came into agreement with what was said in the dream, and he obeyed and did just that. Imagine if Joseph had not obeyed the dream. Or imagine if Joseph had thought, well, you know, it's just something in my mind that my mind has made up. And um, yeah, yeah, we'd be good right here. We'll stay in Bethlehem. You know, that's cool. What would have happened, right? But he, thank God he listened. So he listens and he goes down to Egypt. Uh, After a while, he lays down, goes to sleep. He has another dream. Guess who shows up? Yeah. Angel of the Lord. Hey, remember me? Remember I said I was going to come back and tell you when you can come back? Guess what? You can go back now. Because uh, Herod had passed away. He died. Herod was no longer living. uh, And the people that was with him wasn't, you know, really feeling his plan in the first place. So Angel of the Lord was like, all right, it's cool to come back now. You know, he's gone. Um, Things will be okay. So Joseph listened again and he left Egypt and he went to Nazareth, I believe. And that's where, um, you know, they settled in the city of Nazareth. Um, Imagine if Joseph hadn't listened again. Imagine if Joseph decided, no, I'm staying in Egypt. How would that have changed our scriptures? Right. How would that have changed the Bible? Nah, I'm just going to stay in Egypt. Nah, you know, we cool here. It, you know, I done made a life here. I've been here for this long. Um, I like it here. I like the sand. <laughs> you know, but um, imagine if he had not paid attention to those dreams. Right? Imagine if he just thought, 
this is just something my subconscious mind has made up. And yeah, I'm cool. I'm good. My family's good. We good. What would have happened, right? So let's look at another scripture. And the book of Genesis, you have Jacob. Who is Jacob? Now, Jacob is the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. Everybody knows Abraham, Sarah and Abraham. They had a son named Isaac, and Isaac had twins, one named Jacob, one named Esau. Jacob, this particular day, he was... uh, well, let me give you a little bit of the backstory. So Jacob, in this part of Genesis chapter 28, he had just left um, from finding his wife, Rachel, and um, yeah, he had to take uh, the sister to Leah. So he had two wives and he was coming back to his home country because he had left his home country to find a wife. And uh, he finally did all that. and He was coming back. But before he left, him and his brother, his twin brother Esau, they... Um, You know, they had a falling out. They had beef. Esau was upset. Joseph took the birthright. He took all the blessings. This dude is younger than me. How he's still getting everything. I don't like this dude. He's a cheater and a liar. He always, you know, cheating somebody out of something. So they had beef, right? Jacob was coming back and he wanted to, um, you know, squash all that. He didn't didn't want to have no trouble because now he got two wives. He got kids on top of that. He's been gone for about 14 years, maybe longer, 20 years, I think or so. And, you know, he don't want no bad blood. He got this family, you know, when you have a family, you have children, you get married. It it tends to make you act different, right? You you don't do the silly stuff you did before. So this is Jacob's play, and he goes and uh, lays down as he's traveling on his way back to his home country hometown, home city. And as he lays down, he has a dream. And he has a dream about uh, his future generations and his future. And there was a vow made in that dream. But also in that dream, he wanted to ensure his safety. So when that angel of the Lord had appeared with him, he wrestled with him and he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And, um, you know, you bless my family and make sure everything was safe. And he did just that. And he did not let go. An angel, uh, mind you, in his dream. And, you know, he uh, fought until he got what he needed. And he got blessed. His family got blessed. His future generations got blessed. His future was blessed. And there was a vow made. He said, if... You do this for me, I will make you, not the angel, but um, who the angel works for, Yahweh, I will make you my only God. We will serve you and only you. Because at that time, there was many gods. And even now, to this day, there are many gods, right? But there was this one true God. And he said, I will make you my one true God. No one else, nothing else. And My family and their family and the kids, kids and the kids, kids after that, we all going to serve you and you only. And he did just that and he was blessed. Now, imagine if he thought that dreams were just dreams. Why would he fight so hard in that dream? He fought so hard in that dream that the angel 
had to touch his hip and pull his hip out of socket to try to make him let go. And he still didn't let go. So now when he wakes up, he walks with a limp. How is a dream, something that's supposed to be in your mind, something that your mind has made up, affecting you physically like this? This is why I say dreams are more than just dreams. You have uh, my favorite person I love to talk about all the time, Joseph. Now, this is Joseph from Genesis, not uh, Jesus' stepdaddy. (laughs) That sounds weird to say. Uh, Father God, please don't get mad at me for saying it like that. But Joseph, Joseph is uh, one of Jacob's 12 sons. He was the second youngest son. Joseph had many dreams, especially as a kid. He had he had dreams. He just would have these dreams and he would tell his brothers and he would tell his father and mother and they would look at him like he was crazy and they couldn't stand him. They were so irritated and annoyed with this boy because of what his dreams supposedly meant. Now, I say supposedly only jokingly, but we know what they meant and that they really did have a meaning and they had a meaning for this physical world. Right. So imagine if Joseph just thought his dream was just a dream. His family would have never made it. Now, you got to go back to the book of Genesis and read that story if you want more context on what I'm talking about with Joseph and uh, the whole thing behind that. But I'll just say this, that his family would not have survived. They would all be dead. If Joseph had not have uh, paid attention to his dreams and paid attention to what was said about his dreams and what was the meaning of his dreams. Now, the Bible and the scriptures are filled with people who had dreams. Daniel, you know, um, just filled with people who had dreams and dreams of meaning. Um Let's see. I'll I'll give you one more. So we'll go back to Abraham. So we talked about Isaac. We talked about Jacob. We talked about Joseph. Let's go back to their granddaddy, uh, Abraham, Abraham and Sarah. Now they were traveling through this country and, you know, Sarah, very beautiful, beautiful woman. And Abraham was in this uh, country where he wasn't really familiar with nobody. He's like, man, they're going to want to take my wife and they will kill me and take her. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to come up with this plan. We're going to say you're my sister. Think that plan worked? No, the plan didn't work. That was a stupid plan. <laughs> but it didn't work, right? So what happened? The king of that country, his name was Abimelech. I'm probably saying it wrong, but... Go look it up. It's in Genesis, okay? His name was Abimelech, and then you come back and tell me how uh, to pronounce it. (laughs) Pronounce it correctly. But uh, I'm going to say Abimelech for now. His name was Abimelech, and he took Sarah. And his plan was to make her one of his wives. He goes to sleep. Guess who shows up? Angel of the Lord. This angel of the Lord is busy now. He be in people's dreams and just uh, giving out messages. And he said, listen, um... If you touch that woman, you're going to die. You touch that woman, you do anything to that woman, you're going to die because that is someone else's wife. Matter of fact, that's that man's wife right there. And if you touch that woman, you touch that woman, you die. He's the king now, mind you. He wakes up and he did not touch that woman. He returned that woman to her husband. Imagine. Imagine. 
Now, just imagine if he thought that a dream was just a dream. It's just a regular dream. It doesn't mean anything. You know, whatever. I'm good. I'm about to take this lady. She's going to be wife number 5,632. Because that's how I do. I just now, you know. Imagine if he he talked like that. Imagine if he thought like that. He'd definitely be dead right now. I'm sure he, he died anyways. Of course, we all have to die, right? But he, he would have been dead sooner than he was supposed to. So, I say all that to say that your dreams... The dreams that you have are important. And it's not just a a funny story that you read in the Bible. Um, We are given dreams. We're given dreams and we're given dreams for a reason. And that reason is to see what is pending or what is getting ready to happen in our physical lives. It's a dream sometimes that tell us the reason why things are going the way they are in our physical life is because of this in the dream. And because of what you came into agreement with in the dream. That is the reason why we dream. Now, you have three types of dreams. So the first one, you do have dreams that you can just make up yourself. Sometimes, you know, there is a dream that you just kind of generated yourself. The second one is a dream uh, from the enemy. And these dreams that come from the enemy, they are what he has planned out for your life and the life of your family, your children and your children after that, or the family that came before you. And then you have dreams that come from Yah, Yahweh, Yahusha, Yahovah. And these dreams are the same. These are dreams of what he has planned for you, for your life, for your family, the ones that came before them and the ones that are coming after them, all those generations he has plans for. And he wants you to come into agreement with them. Now, the difference between uh, one and two or two and three, I should say, dreams from Yah and dreams from the enemy is that the enemy will use whatever means necessary to trick you to come into an agreement with him. Now, notice uh, I say agreement. Because it's all about agreement, right? And that was the uh, episode that we just previously had before this, right? On Lesson Magic. So if you haven't heard that, make sure you go back and listen to Lesson Magic and me talking about agreement and why agreement is important. Um, But in your dreams, uh, there are agreements made. There are agreements being made every time you lay down to sleep. The question is, who are you agreeing with? Because whoever you agree with in your dreams, in that spiritual world, is going to be the thing that goes through your mental because your mental is agreeing, your soul, your emotional uh, being is coming into agreement with that thing, your mind is coming into agreement with that thing, your heart is coming into agreement with that thing. The moment you do that, it is going to manifest physically. It might not be immediate, but it will manifest for sure immediately. I'm sorry, I did say immediately, right? It will manifest for sure at some point in time is what I'm trying to say. I didn't mean to say immediately because sometimes it doesn't always happen immediately. But you better believe at some point in time that thing is going to manifest in your life. Excuse me, physically. So let's get back to my dream, me being in the prison. 
Me uh, coming back to the prison to save the prisoners that are in that prison. The biggest part about dreams and the dreams that we have is we don't know what the heck they mean. What does this thing mean? You know, and then, you know, what we'll do is a lot of times, I don't suggest doing this, but we'll go to Google. Hey, Google, what do spiders mean in a dream? When you go to Google or you go to these search engines and you try to figure out what your dream means and you ask those search engines, those search engines are going to pull up sites that are of an occult nature. And by what I mean when I say occult is people who are not into the most high Yah or Yahweh. So you're going to be on sites and they're going to give you what their meaning is. And that's the worst thing you can do because that's going to lead you astray and cause you to come into agreement with things that you should never come into agreement with. And your physical life will reflect that. You will see it. You will see the pattern. So just for a second, I want you to take note of your family. I want you to take note of your children and the people that came before you and see if you can see any patterns in your family. By patterns, what do I mean? Oh, well, everybody in my family has high blood pressure. Everybody in my family, all the women in my family always get divorced. You know, um, we got a lot of alcoholics in our family. We have this in our family. This runs in our family. Um, All the women on my mother's side can't have children. You know, look at those patterns. Because those patterns, those physical patterns are actually going to tell you what you have come into agreement with in your dreams. And that's what we would call uh, generational curses. But there's also a thing of generational blessings. Abraham got it. Isaac got it. Jacob got it. His 12 sons um, got it to a degree. They were blessed. Their lines were blessed. Came from Adam, too. And it went on for generation. It was passed on. The enemy loves to imitate. He loves to lie and he loves to manipulate. And he does the same thing. But he passes on curses generational curses that will follow your family line as long as you allow it. All right, so let's get back to my dream and (laughs) what my dream means. After I uh, spent about 30 minutes um, giving you backstory and scriptures and and all of these things, but I wanted to kind of build a foundation for you so you understand where I'm coming from. Now, I am a very big dreamer. I've dreamed all my life and I've Remember my dreams. Most of my dreams, especially as a kid, were very scary, very nightmarish. I was plagued with nightmares as a kid. Just when I say plagued, plagued with nightmares, I would always have nightmares. Um, But that got me into um, realizing that these dreams are just more than um, me laying down and um, my subconscious mind running amok. It's more than just that. And um, this dream in particular that I had about the prison, what I came to understand that this dream meant is the prison was a representation of the world. And the prisoners in the prison were a representation of humans or mankind and how um, the enemy, the warden over the prison was the enemy and he had us in a prison. So as 
in the real world, in this real world, the enemy that we cannot see has us in a prison and he wants to keep us there. And, you know, the Most High Yah wants to free us of that prison. So I finally got free of that prison in the dream. But I realized there's more people still in that prison that I now that I'm free, I need to help get them free. So I go back to this prison. And like I said, when I go back and um, got out of the prison and I come back, they don't recognize me. They don't even know who I am. They have no idea that I'm one of these prisoners. They just assume that I'm one of them, that I'm some kind of high official. And they're going to show me how all of this thing works. And the reason why they're going to do that was uh, by the grace of the most high. So he could show me how the enemy works. I can do my reconnaissance. I'm doing a reconnaissance now to figure out how the enemy works so I can disrupt his plan. So they go and show me their plans and they show me their rooms and they show me their tricks and, and their trades and the, and the things that they do to trip people up and get them in prison. And then they bring me into this giant room and they show me this wall full of numbers, full of rows, columns, and numbers. And these numbers are ticking down. And what I came to realize, the meaning of that is each row of number represented one person, one person's life. And the numbers that are ticking down are the hours that are coming off of their life. Because as we know, in this life, in this physical life, we are not going to be here forever. There is a certain day, time and hour that we will expire just to try to put it in a nicer term. But we will not be here any any longer. And none of us know what that day and hour is. Only the most high knows um, the enemy to some degree. He might be able to see a general idea of that. But one thing we know about the enemy is that he comes to still kill and destroy. So everyone he has in this prison what he's doing, why these numbers are ticking down. And what I neglected to mention is that these numbers are ticking down extremely fast in a very fast way. And like I said, there's a very long number, but the numbers are moving very fast and just ticking down very fast is because he's stealing times off of our life. He's killing time off of our life. He's destroying time off of our life so that we will leave this earth sooner than we're supposed to without being able to accomplish what the Most High Yah has put us here to do.